You're listening to the Activity Strong Executive Edition series on the Bridge the Gap Network. The live webinar series aims to promote, engage, and empower wellness directors and senior living executives to continue the conversations surrounding health and wellness in aging adults. Powered by Linked Senior. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to um, our September 7th Activity Strong Executive Edition webinar where we are going to be talking about turning a facility into a community and how we explore risk, autonomy, and independence in senior living. I want to share with you that because of enforcing consequences, Mallory DaCosta, VP of Special Assets at Frontier Management, was supposed to be live with us but could not make it. And so she very kindly took the time to record the presentation, and I've had the chance of previewing it, and it is fantastic. I also want to share that we uh, requested and asked for the CU to still be approved and not to worry, all of the CUs will function exactly the same way. And because this is an executive edition, I also want to share that the intention of this particular webinar today of these executive editions is for us to elevate the conversation about resident engagement And for every executive director or administrator, we want to thank you for being here. It shows that you value resident engagement, you feel it's important. And if you, uh, anyone else on the uh, call today on the webinar, feel that your executive director or administrator should be online with us today, please feel free to invite them to further webinars. So Activity Strong, as a reminder, is a partnership led by Link Senior with NAP, NCAP, and Activity Connection, and for these executive uh, edition in partnership also with Bridge the Gap. Myself, like Megan mentioned, my name is Charles de Vilmeren. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Linked Senior. And at Linked Senior, there are a few things that are very important in terms of value for our company. One, six years ago, We started this campaign called Old People Are Cool for a number of reasons, but mostly because we do believe they're cool, like anyone else. And also, we're not big fans of this idea of segregation based on the age. And last year, actually more than a year ago, unfortunately now, in the wake of COVID, we started this platform called Activity Strong, because we believe in the importance of you, uh, activity and life enrichment professional, So this platform is all about acknowledging the amazing work that you continue to do every single day, regardless of the challenge, but also hopefully empower you and educate you with the best things out there, including today's presentation. A little bit about Link Senior because we get that question very often, what it is that we do. We provide a evidence-based resident engagement platform for senior living. And we work with fantastic organizations that I'm showing on my screen here, anything from independent living, assisted living, memory care, and nursing homes. And the way we help them is very simple. We help augment, we help them do more of resident engagement. Right? And, and so that's what I like to say that we are a resident engagement company. We provide technology, education. So obviously you've seen some of these uh, webinars, but we do a lot more with our clients. And obviously, we also like this idea of human touch. 
And human touch is especially important these days when we're going through such a huge staffing crisis. So how can technology help you go further, help you augment uh, uh, the existing staff that you have? And we do this in, in a variety of ways. One is we help you save hundreds, sometimes thousands of hours of work time so you can spend more time with your residents with better programs. We also help you manage resident engagement so you can allocate resources. And then we have a fantastic team of customer success managers that partner with you to elevate the experience you're building for your residents. If you have any interest in any of that, please you know, be in touch at the end of the survey. At the end of the webinar, you'll have a survey where you can tell us if you want us to be in touch in the form of a demo, or also if you're free to call us and email us anytime. The last thing I'll say about our work, which uh, we're very passionate about, obviously, is we believe in the power of measuring to manage. And so we're the only uh, platform in the industry where the work has been highlighted in a peer-reviewed journal. And this is a clinical study, very proud, that we did with the funding of Baycrest and in partnership with Responsive. And as you can see, some of these outcomes, especially the increase of 20% in social engagement, are things that we're very proud of. And we work every day uh, with our clients to help them, again, measure the impact of resident engagement. Up to today's uh, uh, webinar. So today, I'd like to share just one quick word uh, as an introduction to today's uh, um, presentation and then I'll play the recording of uh, Mannery. Now, one thing just so you know is that we will be sharing with Mannery all of the questions you might have, either through the Q&A or the chat. So if you think that something's really interesting in today's presentation, please drop it in the chat because Mannery uh, will be able to read it afterwards. We'll send her all the comments. If you want to thank her for such an amazing presentation, and it is, please do that. But if you also, if you have questions, please type in um, uh, your question and perhaps your email so she can be in touch. I'll give you her email at the end of the presentation as well if you want to be in touch directly. But again, please, as always, use the chat. We, uh, we know you know what it is because you usually you use it a lot and it's very busy. But please rest assured that Mallory is also in spirit and she'll read the, uh, the chat afterwards. So. The way I wanted to introduce today's presentation is when you think about a facility, right? Like that's, that's the F word of how we talk about our communities. But what truly differentiates a facility to a community, right? And what truly differentiates it is the idea that community rests on the idea that every agent, including our elders, our residents, have autonomy, independence, and we to, with them, have explored just simple risk of living. And something which is really important that I often kind of quote-unquote joke about, which is something about person-centered care, which is true, is, you know, we, um, when we see things, sometimes they simply cannot be unseen, right? And so some of you might be familiar with this meme on the internet that's been going on for years, but I'd like to challenge you on this idea that what you are about to see with Mallory's presentation is truly thought-provoking. And I hope that you have many of these moments when you see something and you won't be able to unsee it in a good way. 
where you'll go back to work this afternoon, perhaps, or tomorrow, and you'll remember what Mallory has shared in her presentation. And that will push you, push you and your community and your team to take it one step better um, to the next level in terms of thinking about the experience you're creating for your residents. So with that, um, again, Mallory DaCosta, VP of Special Assets at Frontier Management. Unfortunately, uh, again, she couldn't be with us today, but I'm going to start sharing the presentation. And again, please use the chat and remember that she uh, will be reading the questions that you Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Mallory DaCosta. I work for Frontier Management. I've been with them for about 10 years now. I am their Vice President of Special Assets, and I am the author and researcher behind our SPARK program, which is our lifestyle program, which is inspired by Montessori Methods. And today, I'm really excited because this is a topic that is very near and dear to my heart and something I'm very passionate about. And I'm very excited to, you know, just discuss it and get an open forum going and maybe spark some, you know, ideas or thoughts in your own minds about where we stand in our own communities and what really makes a facility a community. Um, we're going to talk a lot about risk, autonomy. Um, and independence in, in a senior living community. I will focus a lot on memory care today and, and folks with cognitive and physical impairments, but I hope that if you're not in a memory care, you can still apply a lot of what I'm talking about because as we know, we have a lot of seniors who live in our communities who uh, maybe have some sort of impairment regardless of where they're actually placed. So um, what I'd like to do is start with a story because the story is really to illustrate why I want to talk about this uh, topic today. It also is sort of where I got my start on this journey. Um, I was a memory care director in a small memory care community in Wellesley, Massachusetts. Uh, we had uh, our little memory care was on the fourth floor. <laughs> so it was kind of tucked away in, in a back corridor and there wasn't a lot of great outdoor space. Um, so what we would do is we would usually walk downstairs and go outside and the Charles River was right next to the community. So, you know, we would do a lot of, of picnics and a lot of seeing things through the window. And yet this community, I, it was fairly new, fairly newly opened. It was really struggling to find that feeling of community. The residents had a lot of exit-seeking and wandering behaviors. It was an old building, so it didn't have a great design. And I just felt like we weren't uh, merging. We, we, we didn't have that harmonious feeling that I knew I wanted. So one day we were at the, at the, on a picnic at the Charles River, and we walk by a storefront that has a sign out that says, tours uh, in, in a canoe of the Charles River. And sure enough, we saw people canoeing in a real canoe. This was just a straight up, you know, typical uh, two-person canoe up and down the river with a guide. And our residents thought that was pretty cool. And a couple of them joked, hey, yeah, maybe next time we'll go get in a canoe, right? So it sort of was a little topic of banter. But as we left, I started thinking to myself, why not? Like, why couldn't we take our memory care residents on something exciting like that. And I started thinking, you know, my biggest philosophy in this business is everything that I want to do, they want to do, right? So there's no there's no difference just because you're a senior and the things that you might find interesting. 
So I really, you know, started thinking about it and I'm like, you know what? I bet we could do it. So the next day at stand up, <laughs> stand up meeting, I come in and I have my executive director and my nurse there. And, you know, this was quite a while ago, but, um, you know, I was, I was just kind of growing up in the industry and I just was a little naive because I walked in and I thought, this is a great idea. Everyone's going to love it. So I said, we are going to go on a canoe trip of the Charles River. And a couple of the people on my management team thought it was great. A um, couple people didn't think it was so great. One of our head nurses was, you know, like, absolutely not. What are you thinking? Are you crazy? <laughs> and so I was like, well, well, why not? Well, they'll jump in the water and they might, they might drown and they, they'll, they don't know how to swim and their families will get upset. And this just 20 excuses as to why we couldn't do it. So luckily I had an executive director at the time who was very open-minded and he was very quiet. And he said, you know, I think we actually could do this. Let's talk about it more. So we sat down and we created a plan and we did all of the pre-work involved and we decided to do the outing. It was tremendously successful. Um, I'll show you this here. Unfortunately, it's a scan because this was before we had some of the great technology we have now. But we got in the Boston Globe. Uh, it was quite a good spot in the Boston Globe. Giant article, full color picture. And it was incredibly powerful because the article explained how all of the residents on the outing were telling stories, talking to each other, sharing memories. And this was what I experienced. Um, we are, you know, we 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 got back into the bus that night. And I remember just feeling a sense of magic. And that's the only way I can describe it. It was like tingling in the air. They were so fulfilled and excited and happy. And they were talking to each other. And these were all memory care residents who had, pre who had previously had you know, behavioral issues, exit-seeking issues, were not connecting. Now they're talking to each other. They're connecting. And it felt like a real community. After that outing, I sort of had an epiphany that I wanted more of these experiences and I was going to devote my life and my career to learning about what made that so magical. What was it about that canoeing event that was so magical and that how can we recreate it? How can we continuously make those kinds of experiences for our residents? So that leads us to today and our topic of uh, conversation. So in my quest to find the best ways to, to do memory care and senior living, I discovered something called the Montessori approach, which I'm not going to spend a ton of time talking about today because it is a lot of information. But I want to share with you the important bits of it because it really is the foundation for building a great community. And it's going to feed into a lot of my philosophy today. So really briefly, Maria was the first female physician in Italy. She actually got her start in rehabilitation and kind of like what we think of as PT and OT today. She did work in pediatrics and she did become a teacher later in life. But we know when a lot of people think of Montessori, they automatically think of just that education piece. And that was a big part of it. And that's really what she became famous for. But where she started was actually in rehabilitative medicine as a physician. Her model is based on the model of rehabilitation. So that's really, um, you know, just this concept of getting some, getting, uh, getting better or improving. She would circumvent deficits with her model. So she knew that everybody that came to her was going to have a deficit of some kind. And she just built her program to support that right out of the gate. 
Her programming creates true independence, whether you're dealing with an adult or a child, it's, an in, it's a form of, of independence first. Her, her methods help you have success with more complex tasks. If you ever look up, uh, there's a TikTok channel of Montessori kids, and there's all kinds of Montessori videos on, on the internet of children doing very complex tasks. I was watching one the other day of a two-year-old making guacamole, you know, and, and it's a Montessori setup. So the, the teacher was explaining it, but really what the Montessori approach does is makes more complex tasks easier for a person to do when they have a deficit. It's based on life skills. It's completely hands-on from top to bottom. And it really focuses on a prepared environment. So, you know, when we took the residents to the canoe trip, we didn't just go in blindly. We made sure that we had prepared the environment for them so that it would be easy for them to be successful. Um, Maria Montessori's work was actually piloted for memory care residents by a person named Dr. Cameron J. Camp. He's a close personal friend and mentor of mine. I had the privilege to essentially learn from him. He was the first to apply Montessori principles. He was actually the researcher who discovered the connection and, and spent time working on it. So nowadays, there's tons of resources and lots of people studying this, but he was the original. He created a framework for success. He calls it the 12 principles. So what he did is he took out the 12 elements of Montessori-based um, education that work best in our setting. He created assessment tools. So, you know, rather than determining a person can't do something, we often don't have a real good assessment on that because clinical assessments rarely look at things like vision and hearing and, you know, depth perception, et cetera. So he created a lot of assessment tools. He also continues his applied research today. He's a great friend at Frontier Management and we work closely with him a lot, but everything I'm gonna talk about today is cited and is from his work. So ultimately, the Montessori approach does a lot of amazing things, but the most important thing it does is it really creates a community. And, and that, that is in a school setting or that is in you know, an adult setting, because what it does is it does that independence. It does that hands-on approach. So you really get this community feeling. Above all, Maria Montessori's methods are based on doing. And here's a quote from her that's very important. Everything you do for me, you take from me. And this is such a foundational tenet of the Montessori approach, whether you're dealing with children or adults, because we have to you know, understand that as we help someone or when we caregive for someone, we do something for them. Yes. And sometimes it's absolutely necessary that we do that thing for them. But we have to understand the impact that that's actually taking from that person. And that is really a core belief in building community. If you just do everything for someone, they don't have the opportunity to engage in their own community. This is just a little pie chart to drive that thought home. So this is from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. This is from 2010, but I imagine that it is probably similar today. This is the time use on average for uh, it's a work day for employed persons ages 25 to 54 with children. So if you can see that green slice there, we do more working and working related activities than anything else. I'm sad to tell you, it's a little, little depressing to hear that, but we do work more than we even sleep. Notice the red slice is leisure and sports. So leisure and sports are awesome and fun, and we all love entertainment from time to time. But if you see the ratio there, it's a very small part of our lives in comparison to how much we work. So sometimes senior living communities will have a whole calendar that's just full of leisure and entertainment and sports and games. And that's not a bad thing, but we miss out 
on that section about work of, of work. And, and people do relate to work and work-related activities because it's something they've done their whole lives. So ultimately, to make it very simple and summarize, the best way to build a true community is to have your residents doing more. It sounds simple, but it is that simple. A community will occur the more your residents do. Think about the canoe trip. Sure, we had some great picnics. We would sit and we would watch people canoeing and we would have fun. But it didn't quite have the same level of community and excitement until we did it ourselves, until we actually got to experience the doing of the canoe trip. That's what unlocked that community feeling and that magical buzz in the air. So think about doing. What does doing look like in a senior living community? This gentleman on the right here is actually using a sander, an electric sander, and he's in memory care. This is a 100% memory care in Arizona, one of our frontier communities. And he is sanding furniture that they're refinishing in a club called the Seniors Painting and Refinishing Club. And what they did is they would collect donated furniture or yard sale, yard sale furniture on outings, and then they would sell it in an auction for the Alzheimer's Association. What does doing look like for a person with a physical or cognitive impairment? If a person has dementia or they're in memory care, are they not allowed to try to use a power sander or do the things that, you know, maybe you and I do? That's just a real deep question. And I'm not, I'm not going to tell you what's right or wrong. I just want to make sure that we are exploring the horizons of possibility. What does doing look like in your community? How much doing do your residents do? Say you're going to have a happy hour or a cooking club. Are your residents serving the food or are they just partaking in it? Are they making the food or are they just enjoying it? And again, there's nothing wrong with entertainment and, 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 and just, you know, a leisure activity. But we really want to think about how much doing do our residents do? Because that's the thing that's going to elevate your community to that, uh, to that magical experience. So I'm going to share a video with you of our, one of our first Montessori-based activities at Frontier Management. Um, and this was at a beer brewing, beer brewing committee. And this still for eight years now, without fail, continues. Every single month, this community makes a batch of beer. Um, but it, it, has, it has survived even through COVID. It has survived through activity director turnover. And it, and it is still uh, very vibrant today. Being a part of the group, if it's all by itself, is wonderful because you get to know all the people, you get to know that even better, and you realize how everybody contributes. Everybody does part of this when we make the beer. This isn't a question of one person doing it. Everybody gets in there and does each of the steps that we share, all the things, all the steps, the procedures we have, whether it's bottling the beer or stirring the pot with the meat in it or sterilizing things, or having directions from one or the other, or many, or from our guide, as is Allie. But it's, it's the togetherness of this that's so much fun, and, and the product, of course. It's to celebrate something that we thought of doing, we did ourselves, we didn't think so much of ours doing it, but we thought, realized what fun it was to get a product like this, that's unusual for a group of older people who enjoy life and getting fun out of doing something different. Well, I think the, what I learned was how long it takes to do it. 
I thought you just, you know, appear as you take a cap off a bottle. But not this one. I mean, you, it takes a while. It takes weeks of doing it and checking on it and being sure it's the right temperature and moving it back and forth and still filtering it. And then eventually the joy of seeing the product when you actually fill the bottle. And there it is. And you can hold her up and say, look, we did it. <laughs> that was wonderful. That's a great experience. It's another thing I have done here that I've enjoyed so much doing. I mean, it's, it's probably one of uh, at least a half a dozen different things I do. And it's unique. It's different. It's not just sitting around playing cards. I mean, let's see, you get up and do something different here. Even if, it's, even if it's sterilizing pots and pans, which we did too. So the point of that video is just to give you that sense of that's what a community really looks like, right? So the things that he was saying, he said, it's the togetherness of this that's so much fun. So he's even indicating, he said, I got to know some of the people or all the people. He's expressing that working with the, the community was so much fun. And just by the way, this is a, a all three memory care, ALF and IL on one campus. So this is all in that, in that shot you saw all levels, memory care, all the way up to IL. So he's saying it's the togetherness of this that's so much fun. He also says doing all the steps and procedures that we share. He talked about doing so much through this video. He was gesturing with his hands. He was explaining, stirring the pot, filling the bottle. And then that pride of saying, look, we did it. And holding up that bottle that we completed this task. Then he made a comment about, you know, this is different. You do something different here. It's not just sitting around and playing cards, you know. So he's in, he's even recognizing the difference between something like this, where they're doing all of these steps, and then the difference between that and maybe sitting and playing cards, right? So he even, the last quote is my favorite. He said, listen, you get up and do something here, even if it's sterilizing pots and pans, which we did too. And that's where that everything you do for me, you take from me quote comes comes into play. The activity staff could have cleaned up that activity. The activity staff could have set up that activity and done all the sterilizing of the pots and pans. But we would be taking that from the residents if we did it all. So he's even saying that just the sterilization of pots and pans was fun and rewarding and part of that entire complete process. Here's another video of what community can look like. This is um, all memory care. It is a gold level credentialed uh, Montessori memory care. And just take a look at the different uh, roles of the red. Mary Kay Shive, and I'm the tour guide. someone's diagnosed with Alzheimer's, they're pretty much told they're not allowed to do anything. 
by themselves anymore. Even though these people have lived for 60 plus years on this planet doing all the things we do, well, as soon as they get that diagnosis, they're restricted to very little things that they're allowed to do. And that's why I appreciate the Montessori-based program so much is because we give them the freedom to express themselves, to do everything they want to themselves. I mean, they come to the back and do laundry with me, they go to dishes with me, they can help cook food. They run their home, in a sense, and I'm just here making sure everybody's okay. <laughs> you know, we were just in talk one day about what it would be like to fix some meals on our own, past what the kitchen does, and the different needs that we would have for each recipe. And so, as we gathered the information and brought up different recipes, why couldn't we do that? Start to finish from the recipe to the ingredients. They help not only pick out the recipes, they help us get all that product together, and then step by step, they're actually doing it. We are there to monitor them and watch them, but step by step, they're actually doing it and, and creating it. We do not only cakes, uh, but we do cookies. We have a bread, uh, bread probably four or five times a week. Uh, it's pretty amazing uh, how intuitive they are, actually, and when it comes to it, they really love it. It's something they enjoy doing, uh, but it really is hands-on for them. It's the same thing with the gardening club. You know, from start to finish, they're putting that soil in, they're putting the seeds in, and they're watching something grow, and then not only are they a part of that whole process and to see that finished product of which we still use in the kitchen, which is awesome, you know what I mean? So it gives them, it's just like being at home, you know, and it's, it's, it's kind of special. So. It's unbelievable because it's turning out so beautiful. So just another example of what a community can look like. And, you know, that had a couple different things in it, but some takeaways were we had a resident leading the marketing tours and she does do this. She leads the tour from top to bottom. Um, we have growing vegetables to supply the kitchen. So actually utilizing all the food that's grown, especially in the summer months, this property has a lot of growing space. So they supply the kitchen with basically all their produce. Caregivers are inviting residents to do meaningful work. You heard that caregiver say, yeah, you know, I asked him to come do laundry with me and we can cook food with me. She knows because she's been trained in this method that going back in the laundry room with her and doing laundry is part of an activity program. Um, residents chopping vegetables in the kitchen with the executive chef, you know, so not just growing the tomatoes and bringing them to the chef, but actually getting to go back there and have that hands-on process from start to finish. So we'll dissect that video a little bit more, but you know, what are the roadblocks? You know, why, you know, if you think about it, really any community today could have a beer brewing program. They could have residents leading marketing tours. They could have residents in the back cut, cutting vegetables with the chef, you know, but what stops us from going down that path? Um, sometimes it can be a fear of financial risk, maybe the budgeting concerns. Sometimes it's marketing is concerned about what might happen if they have a memory care resident lead a tour. Um, and sometimes it's a safety issue. You know, that's what make people makes people fearful. But ultimately, it can be boiled down to risk um, to create that community that I just showed you. There's going to be risk involved. Doing is risky, right? So every time you step out of your house, you increase your own risk. 
And the same is true with our activities program. We know that to create a true community, you have to have the residents doing as much as possible. That is something that we we have established in the first part of the presentation. But what happens when your residents start doing more is you do have more risk. So that can often be the point where facilities get nervous or stop something is because of that fear of risk. So today's uh, second part of our discussion is to really explore our own feelings today about risk. Some of you are going to be very tolerant of risk and some of you are maybe not. Uh, maybe you all are very tolerant of risk, but perhaps someone on your team is not, or someone in your company is not, or perhaps your caregivers don't know what their risk threshold is. So it's really important to have that conversation. Here's a great quote by Atul Gawande from a book called Being Mortal. If you haven't read it, it is exceptional in this industry. Many of you probably have, um, but it's a very, very good book about assisted living and the aging process. Here's a quote in here that I share a lot with my teams. It says, we want autonomy for ourselves and safety for those we love. That remains the main problem and the paradox for the frail. Many of the things that we want for those we care about are the things that we would adamantly oppose for ourselves because they would infringe upon our sense of self. So it is that paradox, right? We want to protect the residents. But when it comes to us, we individually want autonomy. We want our sense of self, right? So we have to try to put ourselves in the resident's shoes and understand that even though our our choice and our, our desire is to protect them and to limit their risk, we also have to understand they have a right to autonomy and they have a right to do these things. Um, and it does create a balance, uh, it's certainly a balance. So let's talk about that last video we saw one more time. So we saw a memory care community doing a variety of different things. I'm going to share with you the spectrum of risk. And this is just based on what I have experienced as a trainer nationally and internationally. When I share that video, I often have the audience have this similar feeling about risk. Now, everyone's different, like I said, and I'm not here to tell you what you should and should not do, but I just want to establish what most people feel um, and, and just compare it to your own feelings. Garden Club, you saw in that video, obviously very low risk. This activity can be found in most senior living communities. The next level of risk is leading tours. This is very low risk to the resident, but I will tell you, I have a lot of facilities who are nervous about the impact of having a resident in memory care lead a marketing tour. Um, so that's just one kind of risk. The next phase of risk is probably the cooking. Most of us do cooking classes, but it will vary from property to property. I have been in buildings where they let the residents do everything from top to bottom. And I've been to buildings where they won't let the residents near the stove or use knives. You know, so it is it is variable between different communities. But, you know, we do share cooking as part of our program in most places, but definitely a moderate risk of burning or skin impairments when you do cooking fully. The next range is actually, believe it or not, the commercial laundry. So when that caregiver said that she has residents go in the back and do laundry with her, I've shown even more video of footage of something like that in the training. And people are often like, that's usually where, even though it's low risk, people are like, well, I didn't know the residents could go back there. And even if managers know that the residents can go back there, staff typically feel like they're not allowed. So, you know, obviously check your local regulations, but I've operated in about 15 states and I've never found a, I've never operated in a state where there is a law against it. So really look into that. Um, but it is a wonderful way for the residents to engage with staff.
And then lastly, having a resident chop vegetables in the commercial kitchen with a chef has been the one that prickles people the most. They typically are worried about infection control and what do you do if they cut themselves, et cetera, et cetera. And we usually explain, you know, you follow the same procedures you would for employees as far as infection control for your state, et cetera, et cetera. But it's it's moderate risk, but it's rarely considered an option for community staff. So, you know, just kind of find out where you fall on the spectrum. Some people are very tolerant of risk and some people are not. So just good to examine um, and kind of get an idea of how you, you feel now. Rules of risk. Risk is necessary for engagement. Right to risk is not erased by a dementia diagnosis. And assisted living is rooted in that clinical mindset, whether we like it or not. Unfortunately, it's very hard to get away from. Um, but, you know, the clinical world is very adverse to risk. So their whole, you know, the whole point of a clinical setting is to minimize risk. So when we operate assisted living and memory care and we have to approach risk, often it's uh, foreign for a lot of us. And we, it's something that a lot of us are uncomfortable with. And lastly, risk is more accepted in service planning rather than activities. So you'll see residents who, you know, they have the right to fall, they have the right to smoke, they have the right to drink. But then as soon as it comes to an activity for the group, we, we tend to be a little less tolerant. And that's just, I, I don't know, understand that phenomenon so much, but it's definitely present. So this is Shelly on the left. She is a highly behavioral memory care resident. She was in elopement risk. Um, she actually escaped from the hospital by putting on a doctor's lab coat and grabbing his clipboard and sneaking out. So she's very sneaky and highly, highly at risk for eloping. So this uh, in this picture here, she's giving a haircut to a caregiver. And the backstory is that she was a hairdresser for 20 years and she would tease this caregiver all the time about his shaggy hair. And so one day she said, if you give me a pair of scissors, I'll give you a haircut. And this young man being fearless and open to anything, of course, it's like, sure, I'll take a haircut. And that she ended up doing a really beautiful job. She had the best time of her life, um, asks to do it again. So now every uh, the first Thursday of every month, they open the salon and she it gives haircuts to the staff if they want one. So, you know, this would stop a lot of people for a lot of reasons. Oh, what about risk? What about, you know, what about her cutting herself? What about her behaviors? But it's working and it's working really well for this person. They haven't tried to elope anymore. They feel like they're part of the community now. So, you know, just it can really pay off when we when we try new things. So let's do a gut check just to get your own feeling about risk. And I want you to think about not only your own feeling, but perhaps there's someone on your team or in your company that has a higher or lower tolerance for risk. First thing, sharp knives, right? A lot of us are probably okay with that. At this point in time in memory care or in assisted living, a cognitively impaired person, you know, as long as they have the skills and the motor skills typically can use knives and scissors. Um, I would also add to this alcohol and memory care. A lot of us have moved towards alcohol and memory care being accepted, but I still do hear that there are companies that restrict it. So, you know, asking yourself, what is your own personal tolerance and why is really an important step in exploring ways to uh, add risk without uh, mitigating, with, without removing safety. Next is raising chickens. What if your lifestyle director or your ED or your you know, team member comes up and says, I want to raise chickens on the property. We, we could take care of them. We could get eggs. Um, what would your response be? Would it be, Yahoo, that's a great idea. Or would it be, oh, that's that who's going to take care of them? And they're messy and they are loud. And what if the families don't like them? And 
what is your response? Is your response to automatically think of reasons that it won't work? Or is it your response to think of reasons that it will work? These are all things I've done, by the way. So everything on this list, I have done it myself, tried and true. How about a four-hour bus ride to take your memory care residents to the beach? You know, the four hours there and four hours back plus the time at the beach. Is your first instinct, no, that'll never work. And there's a million reasons why it won't work. Or is your first instinct, maybe we could do it. Maybe let's think about it. What, What could we do to make it happen? How about taking your memory care residents to a swimming pool? What's your first instinct on that? Some people, it's, yeah, let's do it. And others will be, oh, no, that's that's dangerous. So gut, what's your gut check tell you? And once you know your own, once you know where your own feelings lie, and then also where your teammates' feelings lie, it helps you strategize on the next steps. What about horseback riding? Yes, I have done this with memory care residents. What's your first thought when you think of it? Is it something bad and terrible and risky? Or is it something positive and beautiful and magical? You know, what is your instinct telling you? And lastly, hot air balloon ride. You know, if your residents wanted to go on a hot air balloon ride, what would your instincts be? Would it be, oh, that's too dangerous. We'll just look at pictures of hot air balloon rides instead. Or would it be, hey, well, what could we do to make that happen? So I'm going to share another video with you. And I share this video because without fail, every time I show it when I train, people have a little bit of uh, a little, they raise their eyebrow a bit. So what we have here is a French community that's Montessori based and they make soup every day and the residents spend the day prepping the vegetables. So what they do is they have all levels of residents doing different things. This resident is breaking beans. Um, Some of the residents are using paring knives or they're using peelers. Now, again, you don't actually have to eat the soup if you don't want to. You can just do the prepping. That's the fun part, right? So they can they can use these vegetables every day if they'd like and do different ones all the time. Um, so we've got peeling, we've got cutting, we've got a paring knife. And this here on the end is where people get a little nervous. So what they've done is they've taken a cutting board and they've put nails up into it so that this woman who has right-sided paralysis from a stroke is able to peel carrots with one hand. Watch how she uses this tool. Pretty excellent. She's very good at it. So, you know, a lot of people see this as a really awesome modification, but I will have without doubt, without fail, at least two or three people raise their hands and discuss at this point, well, what is that safe? What happens if she hurts herself, right? So, you know, I always usually say, you know, our residents are at risk for injury and skin tears, no matter what we do every day. And I would much rather have my eyes on this person and be able to, you know, understand where her skin tear came from so I can modify it, as opposed to having somebody, you know, get a skin tear in their apartment and not knowing how. So again, I'm not going to tell you what's right or wrong for you or your community, but I want to urge you to just think about, you know, risk is everywhere. And and is this any more risky than her sitting alone and disengaged in her apartment, you know, without maybe perhaps a fall risk, or maybe she gets up and trips? I mean, either way, there's some risk, but at least here, it's a modification. It's clearly she's able to use it very well. And we're able to have her out with a group in the community. So again, you know, you might watch this video and not be, not be scared at all. You might not even find it stressful, uh, but a lot of people will. And sometimes it's someone on your team. Typically it might be a clinical person or a person who comes from healthcare background uh, specifically, and they, you know, they are going to look at it as a risk. 
So just to just an idea of, of a really great modification, though, for that person. So we've established that having a community requires your residents doing more. And once your residents do more, there's going to be more risks. But, you know, we do want to be smart about it. We don't want to just, you know, say alcohol for everyone in memory care and have no plan or everybody gets scissors or everybody gets to chop fruit. We want to have a plan to mitigate risk. And that's where, you know, you can make these really risky programs actually really safe and very successful. There's some steps that I encourage you to take when you're facing an activity or a group event that you feel like has some risk associated with it. The first is explore the risk tolerance of yourself, of your team, and more importantly, your care staff. If you're all very highly, you know, if you have a lot of risk tolerance on your team, but your care staff are unsure, then the program may not be successful. So really understand, you know, who on your team is comfortable with risk and who isn't. I shudder to think what would have happened if I didn't have a great executive director who allowed us to go on that canoe trip. We would have missed out on that excellent opportunity. And honestly, I probably wouldn't be where I am today working on what I work on. Um, it was a beautiful choice and it was very, it was worth every moment of planning, but I needed to understand who on my team was going to be the more risk focused so that we could work through it together. Research rules. This is probably my most, my most important one. Um, I, I will tell you, it baffles me how many rules we make that we make up, that we impose on ourselves. The one that I hear a lot is there's not a glass isn't allowed in memory care. I have worked, like I said, and I've operated in 15 different states and I've never found a, an actual law. I'm sure there are states that it's an actual law, but please research it, really dig and find out, is this just something that I believe to be true or is it actually a law or regulation? It might also be a company policy, and that's important, too, to, to follow. But it wouldn't hurt to ask, maybe ask a peer, do we know where this company policy came from? Do we know when or how or why? Because it very well could have been that it was created under a different set of regs or a different set of rules. So just when you when you come across something that you believe is not allowed, find out if it's true and valid, because it very well may be not a true rule and just something that has been rumored. Third, solve for yes. This is one of my favorite sayings. Just imagine what would it take to make this happen, right? So say your staff comes to you and they say, we want to go on a horseback riding trip with our residents. Your first instinct might be no. But what if you said yes? And just sometimes it's good to sit and have a, a pretend session where you say, okay, let's imagine I was going to do this. How would I do it? What would be the steps? And once you think it through in that framework, you will actually find that it's probably not as difficult as you're thinking. But we spend a lot of energy saying all the reasons something can't happen or all the reasons something's a bad idea. Sometimes it's a good exercise to just say, let's come up with all the ways that this is a good idea and that this is doable. And then the last thing is to follow a framework. And I'm going to bring Maria Montessori back into this because Maria Montessori created a framework that happens to work really nicely with risk because it is based on rehabilitation. It is meant to circumvent the deficits. So Maria Montessori's model obviously assumes the person will have a deficit. It creates true independence in the person. It's success with more complex tasks. So things like canoeing and chopping vegetables and all of that we can have success with. 
focuses on life skills, which we know are are more engaging, and it's completely hands-on. We also focus on a prepared environment. And I only re I'm going to, I'm just reviewing Montessori because I, I don't, you can use any framework that you want. You can find any methodology that you'd like, but the important thing is you just follow some sort of a system so that it is safer and that you do go through the processes and the thoughts behind mitigating that risk. We have found, I have found in my own research and study that the Montessori approach is a great complement to this. It follows a very, you know, good model of assessments and, and skills assessments, et cetera, that allow you to take more risks and allow you to do more complex things. But any framework that you want to follow would also work. It's just about having a system. And I'm for, for fun, I'm going to show you the 12 principles of Montessori. So this is that framework that you would follow. Say you're going to make um, a, a chopping vegetable activity, right? And you want to follow some sort of framework. Notice that oops, six of these things are actually um, meant to mitigate risk. So that idea of demonstration, number, number four, is actually going to help the person be more successful and thus make less mistakes. Number five, assess and assess for and focus on abilities. You know, how do you know that a person's appropriate to use a knife or not if we have never assessed them? So the, the Montessori approach has some great assessment tools that'll let you know if it's safe or not for the person to do the, the to do the activity. Slowing down as staff is really huge. And we don't realize how much faster we tend to move than our residents, both in how we talk and how we move physically. And slowing down can also mitigate risk for that person. Visual hints and cues can make them more successful, thus mitigating that risk. And then the last three here, breaking down into steps, uh, or I'm sorry, the last four, progressing from simple to complex and breaking down into steps. Now, again, if we were to spend a whole presentation on Montessori, we would go into this more. But I just wanted to illustrate that six of these 12 principles actually will help you mitigate risk. And that's why it's so important to have a framework or a methodology, because you can do a lot more things that you maybe thought were too risky by following a scientific framework for success. So as we end today, I have a few takeaways for you. Um, the first is creating a community involves residents doing. You have a variety of residents who I'm sure do a lot of things in your community. And don't they, don't they give it life? Don't you all have that resident who maybe leads exercise for you or who's always checking on her neighbors? Doing comes more naturally to certain people than others. But everyone needs to be engaged in some sort of doing, regardless of their levels of cognition or levels of, of disability. They need to be involved in doing things to really create a community. But in order to fully engage in doing more things, risk will be necessary. We have Norm on the left here. He is a memory care resident. He has some pretty serious behavioral issues. He was a fireman and worked in construction. And as you can see, he can still use a drill. Um, we know from his assessment, his Montessori assessment, what skills remain. And he's actually helping the maintenance director turn apartments for new residents. And that's one of his one of his one of his jobs. But, you know, there's risk there. Absolutely. But there's also risk in him becoming bored and wandering and becoming agitated. Right. So in order to fully engage in things in the community, risk will be necessary. 
Again, disclaimer, I'm not here to tell you what you should do or shouldn't do or what you should feel comfortable with. I'm just wanting to show you examples where taking risks was successful and it was appropriate. And I'm you know, glad that we, that we did them. Third, understand your own risk tolerance and others around you to ensure your opportunities are not being missed. So when you have this opportunity come up, maybe it's that you want to raise chickens and what is, you know, really explore your gut instinct and become mindful about it. Because if your first instinct is to be adverse, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just something that needs to be explored and discussed as a group. Or if you have someone on your team who says no to everything, you know, you might need to win them over with some of this information, but you'll want to understand that to ensure you're not missing out on opportunities. And lastly, use some sort of a methodology or system to understand and manage risk. I shared with you that I use the Montessori system because it comes with a lot of assessments and rehabilitative methods, and it's very much supportive of an independent community environment. But really, any methodology or system would work. You could have weekly risk meetings. You could, during your safety committee meeting, you could sit and talk about upcoming events and outings that might be a little risky that you want to try. You could have a checklist of preparation and assessment plans. But really, as a team, try to come up with some sort of a system. It'll make you feel better about taking the risk. It'll make you feel more confident, and it will truly make it more safe and successful. So that's all I have for you today. I hope you found these experiences interesting. I hope that they pushed your own uh, boundaries of risk a little bit, or you very well may be totally comfortable with risk, and maybe it will help you to convince someone on your team or your care staff that risk is necessary and it's important. And just because a person has a dementia diagnosis or some sort of impairment, they don't lose that right to autonomy and risk. Um, and sense of self. So um, I appreciate your time today and please reach out if you have any questions. Thank you. Wow, what an amazing presentation, wasn't it? I um, I know that during the presentation, the chat was going on and was very, very active. I'd like to invite all of you right now, if you can, to take a moment and thank Mallory in the chat. If you do this, we will be sending to her the content of the chat, and I'm sure it's going to warm her heart. And um, it's just a a very nice way to thank her for this amazing presentation. You know, going back to one of the things that she has been taught, telling us, teaching us, is this idea of how can we explore risk. You know, what I love about Mallory's work, what I love about the Montessori approach is it's not only us exploring risk. It is really about this idea of us partnering with the elders, right, partnering with the residents. And I think that this is really something that defines what we do in activities and life enrichment is this idea of collaboration with, uh, with the residents. And I'm sure that all of you love doing this. This is why you get up in the morning. This is why you show up at work. So again, you know, think of this, and as I mentioned before in my introduction, I hope that a lot of you, and at least some of you, have this, I cannot unsee this, and I'm going to do something about it. Because as always, we at Link Senior, especially with Activity Strong, try to partner with you, help you, and provide you tools so you can enhance the experience that you're building with residents. With that being said, on the slides right now, I'm sharing with you Mallory's email. 
just so you know, during the presentation, we uh, we were taking uh, snippets of the chat. I was texting to her, so she's with with us in spirit, and uh, and I'm sure she would appreciate again you thanking her on the chat or you sending her a note by email. So with that being said, I have a couple more announcements that are very exciting when it comes to next uh, events uh, going on with Activity Strong. As always, <clears throat> you know we we do these webinars every two weeks. So please feel free to register on our website for uh, some of the upcoming ones. I did want to take the time to really focus on our Activity Strong 4 gathering because I am so excited about the presentation. This event is a three-hour event on September 21st. Now, don't worry. You can show up just for one session or two sessions or the whole thing. We even have a happy hour at the end. But let's, let's explore this together. The first session is at 1 p.m. Eastern and is led by Julia Larimer, who, Larimer, sorry, who is an activity director actually, and she's also the founder of shopalzheimerwell.com. And it's a whole discussion about enabling interdisciplinary work and creative intervention for sleep issues, which I know is, has always been a, a, a topic, a challenge for programming, but obviously through COVID has really emerged back and forth. And she's going to be partnering with Melanie Bunn, who is uh, uh, with the positive approach to care, as some of you might be familiar, Tifa Snow's work. This is going to be an amazing presentation. The next one also um, is going to be amazing, obviously beyond the fact that it is led by Dr. Jennifer Stelter, who's on our team at Link Senior. This session is going to be done in partnership with NAP, uh, Addisa uh, with NAP, and they're going to be talking about how we use data, so uh, data-driven resident engagement, to then connect to clinical and financial outcomes, which is really the future of activity and life enrichment. And I really invite you to consider you know, where you are today and how you can learn to, again, do better and, and build better engagement strategies, regardless of where you are, whether you're an activity assistant, an activity director, a rec therapist, or perhaps you're a, a nurse or even an, activity, a, an administrator or an executive director. And in the last session, I'm extremely excited about also, it is a discussion uh, led by Murray Mercer, who's the general manager, band manager in senior living for Point Click Care. And he is partnering with Anne Shrimp, who's the corporate director of lifelong learning for Ebenezer uh, Society, which is one of the leading nonprofit in, I think, the leading in the state of Minnesota and very uh, um, um, innovative provider. And they're going to be talking a little bit about how we build occupancy using technology, communication, accountability in the field of resident engagement. So please, as always, um, um, you know, feel free to, to sign up for these events. Come and join us. Be part of the discussion. It's an important discussion, especially as we continue, unfortunately, to go through these challenges associated to COVID. And I'd like to close this again by thanking all of you for the amazing work that you do at showing up, you know, showing up in your communities uh, today, yesterday, and throughout this pandemic for uh, the well-being of your residents. With that, um, I will close the session today. And again, thank you for joining us. Take care. Bye-bye. 
Thanks for listening to the Activity Strong Executive Edition series powered by Linked Senior. Find more resources and webinar information at btgvoice.com.